0: We'll start reading verse nineteen. It says, There was a certain man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass at the beginning of the, the beggar died, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted and now art tormented. And Beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, Lest ye also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one, come, uh, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto, the, unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they persuade, be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Let's have a word of prayer, and you may be seated. Brother where would you listen to a word of prayer this evening? Be seated thank you for standing for the honor of the reading of the Word of God. I would like to turn to a couple more passages real quick to get a full grasp upon the subject that we are talking about this evening. If you turn over to Isaiah chapter five with me, please, we'll be in two places in Isaiah chapter five and chapter 14, Isaiah chapter 5, and Isaiah chapter 14. In Isaiah chapter five and verse 14, it says, Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself, and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory, and their multitude, and their pomp, and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. Over to Isaiah chapter 14, please. Chapter 14 and verse 9 says, Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up their thrones, all the kings of the nations. One last place, keep your uh, place in Luke chapter sixteen with me, but go over to Revelation chapter twenty as well. I know we're kind of jumping all over the Bible, but we're just uh, want to reinforce this message this evening. And now Revelation chapter twenty. Revelation chapter twenty. <clears throat> Verse 13, it says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. Verse 14, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, which we just sang about a minute ago, was cast into the lake of fire. Back to our text, I'd like to speak to us for a little bit of this time, preach on the subject of the horror of hell. The horror of hell. My means by preaching this message is not to scare anyone into salvation, is not to uh, try to bring any kind of conviction upon someone's life. If the Holy Spirit does so, that, that's fine with me. But My means of preaching this message is just to, maybe even for the, the saved folks in here today, is to encourage us to be better witnesses and better soul winners for Christ the horror of hell a poll was given a couple years ago to about a thousand people by way of technology by way of cell phone they were asked do you believe in hell 63 percent answered yes 30 percent answered no sadly that number has gone up over the time also another question was asked how do you believe that people get to heaven Well, around 6% said, well, good works. Some said, 34% said, faith in God. The sad part of this is, 57% said that both were required. 57%, that's over half of that group. Then they were asked, what will happen when you die? Well, obviously, most people believe they're Christians, so they're going to say 61% said that, well, I'm going to go to heaven. 15% 15% said they're going to go to purgatory. 5% believe that they would be reincarnated. And roughly 4% would believe that it was just the end of existence when they die. But can I tell you this this evening, dear friend? No matter what you believe, the Bible tells us there's two destinations. And only two. When you die, you will either spend eternity in a place called hell, or you will spend eternity in a place called heaven. And what a joy it would be to see you there one day. But what a horror it would be to know of some people sitting in this auditorium tonight that may bust hell wide open sitting in a church pew. Lord help us. See, a well-known pastor of a Methodist church in Washington, D.C. said, My congregation would be stunned to hear a sermon on hell. That's coming from a Methodist preacher. But even today, most Baptist preachers don't darken that subject hardly at all. They don't really focus on it. That. That's just too, 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 hard, too much hard preaching for people. No, what, it needs to be preached more because if I mean, I could be wrong about this, but I'd almost believe that there's just as many lost people in church as there are out in the world. Maybe if not more, because they're believing in their their good works and their 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 so-called relationship with God, their so-called worship with God or worship of God and they depend more upon that than actually the, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Very sad. See folks, hell is a real place. We'll cover that in just a minute from our text. Hell is a very real place. As you know, it's as real as we are sitting here. It's as real as those pews you're sitting in. It's as real as this pulpit that I'm standing behind. It's as real as the breath or the, the air that we breathe from day to day. See, I heard a preacher say this one time, and I thought it might be good to share. But if God were to open up, the, just open up the chasm to look into hell for just about five minutes, it would help us all. Whether we're saved or we're lost, we'd see, as a lost person, they would see what they're missing out, or what they're about to, about to go into. And as a saved person, it would help us to realize what we're missing out on. You know, many times we hear people say, uh, stand up and give testimonies about, well, I'm just glad I'm not going to hell. But we really, really, really uh, understand what all is in hell, what all is involved with all that. We're not just missing out on hell. We're missing out on judgment, on all sorts of things that we're missing out on. And I want to notice in our text a few things, four things really this evening we'll take a few minutes on. But number one, I want to notice the certainty of hell. In our text, it says in verse verse uh, 23, and in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. As I've mentioned already, folks, hell is a real place. Very real. Very real. Fifty-six times in the word of God, it shows us the most, in the most unstake, unmistakable and plain way that there is such a terrible place as hell. See, if we, we call ourselves Bible believers, right? We're Baptists. Some people call us Bible thumpers because we believe the Word of God. Okay? So if we're to believe the Word of God and everything that it says, we also have to believe not just that there's a heaven, but there is a hell, that people are dying and going to every single hour, every single day, every, every single part, uh, time in this year. So if God says it's real, then it obviously is. It was a deep statement, wasn't it? So deep. The certainty of hell. There are many scriptures that mention this, this, uh, this place in Matthew chapter 5, verses 22 through 30. Uh, it goes on. Mark chapter 9 mentions it. Luke chapter 10 mentions it. Uh, our text, Luke 16, mentions it. Acts chapter 2, 2 Peter 2, Revelation uh, goes over and over throughout the passage, or throughout the book mentions it quite often. The Bible sh- uh, tells us that this place is real. It tells us this place is real. It is important that we realize the seriousness of this place. Again, as I said, we sometimes we just stand up and we say, "Well, thank the Lord for saving me from hell," but we don't really realize what He has really saved us from. Or, or maybe we've heard it so many times. From our coworkers saying it as a curse word, it doesn't really affect us that much anymore. We look at the word more as a curse word from our coworkers or someone that we know that's not right with God, but we don't realize that that person who's using that word is actually going to that place. See, it's a serious matter. This place needs to be taken seriously. It's a destination that's full of people who've rejected the very blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Number two, I want to see in our passage, verse 24, we see the cries of hell. It says, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. We see that the proud man of time, you know, this is a rich man. Obviously, he had some arrogance about him. The proud man of time has now become a beggar for eternity. See, he would pray to the Lord for mercy. But mercy is never, not found in hell. Mercy is only found at the foot of the cross. It's the only place to find it. We see that he cried for quite a few things in this passage. He cried for water. He, he, it was a cry of thirst, saying, I, "I thirst. I need someone just to dip their tip of their finger in water, just to satisfy that that being being parched for just just a moment, just a moment of satisfaction. He longed for. He was so thirsty because this this flame, this this agony, had driven him to so much pain and." Uh, and uh, caused him to be so thirsty that he just desired that that small drip of water. But he couldn't find any. It was cries of torments. He said in the last part of that verse, For I am tormented in this flame. I heard a, a well-known preacher say, uh, I didn't hear him specifically. I was told that uh, by some folks who were watching him on TV. You better watch out for them TV preachers. Just a side note. I think our pastors had that before too. But... Uh, This TV preacher got up and said that hell is not a place of real fire. It's just a place of eternal separation from God. Sorry, folks. The Bible says right here, I am tormented in this flame. Folks, hell is a place of real fire. It is a place of torment and torture. To think of all the things that go on in this horrible place that Scripture tells us about. You see that today it seems like sinners tend to mock prayer. You know, uh, I've seen videos in the past couple years of people uh, making fun of families that would would, uh, pray for their meal at a restaurant. Sinners seem to mock that kind of thing. You know, there's going to come a day. There's going to come a point in their life, when their life ends, that they will look to pray, but no answer will come. To think that you will get to a point where you desire to hear the precious voice of the Lord and Savior, yet He will not speak to you anymore or at all. You'll never receive a response. What a horrible sight it would be, even for those that call themselves people of prayer in the house of God. We call ourselves people of prayer. What, what sad sad state it would be to find someone who said that of themselves or people have said uh, that of them to find them crying in the pits of hell I was a person of prayer but their prayers will no longer be answered number three number three the consciousness of hell this is somewhat similar to our, our our latter point Consciousness of hell, verse 23 through 25, it says, And in hell he lift up. That word lift speaks of a, a continual doing. He is constantly, even today, he is doing that. He's lifting up his eyes in hell. Being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, verse 24, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. See, this is a place of consciousness. This is not some daydream that this man had. He was not having just a bad nightmare in his sleep. It was not like one of these Christmas carol movies where the ghost of Christmas past and Christmas future and Christmas present, came and visited him. It was not something like that. This was a place where he ended his life here on earth and ended up in that horrible abyss called hell. He woke up, or he, he, he went to sleep on one side and woke up in, the, in the, this terrible place, a place of consciousness. He felt the flames. He started to feel the fear in his life, in his heart. He realized the failure in his life. You know, you also realize he has a future. You think eternity? I mean, isn't that the end of everything? No, his future is to forever, forever burn in this place. To, to receive just a slim, what, what, what may seem like a slim amount of peace at some point. Just to stand before God Almighty and to be cast into the lake of fire forever. What a sad, sad state. See, this is an actual testimony from a man who is in hell today. See, it doesn't happen like this. You don't go to hell and just at a certain point you just burn up and it's, it's, that's it. No, the Bible says and it tells us that it is, a, it is a, a thing for eternity. It constantly is happening. He's constantly burning. He's constantly being tortured by these, these, the Bible talks about these worms that eat at people, constantly being tormented forever. See, I see in this passage two, two things quickly. It's a place of eternal torment, as I mentioned. It says, for I'm tormented in this flame. But then, you know what, it's also a place of eternal remembrance. Abraham looks at him and says, I can get the verse here, verse twenty-five. But Abraham said, "Son, remember. Remember. Do you remember the times that the pastor would stand up there and preach the gospel, and God would convict your heart? Do you remember those times? Do you remember the times you stepped over as a, as a rich man, you stepped over Lazarus? He kept trying to witness to you. You remember those times?" Remember the gospel tracts that you, so piously as a fake Christian, handed out to people that you should have read yourself? Do you remember those? Do you remember seeing the people that looked at you and you could see there was no hopeless in, hopelessness in, or there was hopelessness, hopelessness in their eyes, and you realized, I had that same hopelessness in my life. I know I'm not saved. Do you remember? The times that God convicted your life, tried to draw you to an old, old-fashioned altar and help you get right with God to be saved. You'll remember those times. So you won't remember the so-called prayers you prayed. Well, you may. You won't, you won't, you won't pay attention to all those things, those, those, deci- those, those so-called decisions you made or turned over a new leaf. You'll remember the fact that the gospel was preached to you And you did nothing with it. You wish you had another chance. Sadly, the time is up. Number four, and I'll be done. I noticed the companions in hell. The companions in hell. Turn over with me, please, to Revelation chapter 21. It says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. We'll read that verse. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. The Bible says, which is the second death. So we know most of these people have already spent Lord only knows how long in this terrible place called hell, only to be delivered, like I said, what seems for just a moment of brief peace and relief to go into this, this lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. You know, Brother, brother Ware, I was, I was reading this a couple days ago, though. It says, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and homongers and sorcerers and idolaters. I get all these people, they just seem like they need to be there. Then it says, all, and all liars. I got to think, of course, liars, lying is just as bad as all these other sins and things that have been mentioned. But why did God put liars in there? I mean, all these terribly wicked sins. He put lying in there? Again, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying lying is bad, or good, I'm saying it's bad. But all liars. You know why? Because living in a church house and acting as though you are saved but yet you are lost is living a lie trying to witness to someone when you have no one to witness about is living a lie trying to get up here and sing or preach about someone you do not know about Is living a lie. Those are the kind of companions you will have if you do not receive the gospel today. So we see this rich man. He traded up to six could be sixty to seventy years for just luxury. Good time. Partying with friends. Living the good life. Probably had the the most modern chariot out there. He traded all that for an eternity of pain and agony and suffering and tears. Will we do the same? Will you do the same? Trading all that this world has to offer than just to die and end up in this horrible place. Again, I'm not trying to make any kind of conviction fall on anyone. I'm preaching what the Lord has laid on my heart, and I believe I have. But you may be here this evening, and you may say, Well, I am a church member. So were the Pharisees. Well, I work for the church. To so the Pharisees. God said they were full of dead men's bones. They were like a whited sepulcher. Be, uh, the Lord laid us in my heart a couple months ago, and I just wanted to say, beware of becoming a whited sepulcher at White Graves Baptist Church. Just because our name has White Graves doesn't mean we all have to be whited sepulchers at White Graves. Well, I pray. Well, if you're lost, you're not really praying to anybody except for maybe yourself. Well, I tithe. That's a great thing. But it's even better when you're saved because God can bless your life for it. I live a clean life. I turned over a new leaf. I made the right decisions. I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stay away from the sins in my life as long as I can until I fall back into them again. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the right choices until I don't make the right choices again. And that happens as a Christian too, but you have someone there alongside of you that will help you. As a lost person, you don't. So the problem is, the I am needs to become, he has saved me. And he has changed my life. So, you have the greatest stories. You seem to have everyone on your good side at church. You seem to have what most people would call peace in your life. It doesn't seem like there's really anything going wrong in your life. So, I mean, God must be blessing my life. No, what needs to happen is you must, as our pastor has preached so eloquently from chapter 3 of John, you must be born again. Turn over to Matthew chapter 7. I hope I'm not going too long. If I am, Pastor, please let me know. Matthew chapter 7. See, this is a sad state of what someone would trying to live their life in church as a Christian, but yet coming so short. Matthew 7, verse 21. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not, or in thy thy name, have cast out devils? Greg Locke. And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them some of the saddest words in your Bible. I never knew you. Depart from me. Ye that work iniquity. He will say, I never knew you. Oh, you knew a lot about me. You read your Bible. You studied your Bible. You you, fooled everybody. You made, made them think you're a Christian. But I never knew you. Let's sing that song, I know him. I know him. But does he know you tonight? Does He truly know you? Is your name truly, uh, 100% for sure, written in the Lamb's book of life? See, all hope could be lost. But I'll tell you what, there is a way out. I'm done. Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ made a way, he died for us. Amen. Romans six twenty three says, For the wages of sin, those things that we in our sin have racked up, those the 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 payment for our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is this is the answer right here. Romans ten nine through thirteen. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Here's the key. So many people will say, Lord, Lord, as we read in, our, in Matthew just a second ago. They say, the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. Verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Folks, He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, not myself. By Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Can I encourage you as a saved person? Maybe we just need to get our We need to get our drive back to reach more souls for Christ. Because that's what white graves is all about. Is it not? It's about reaching the lost for Christ. But maybe there, maybe, just maybe there's someone. And maybe, maybe there is someone here that's been just playing the game. I did for almost 18 years. For the Lord convicted my heart and I got saved. It's a Preacher's kid. Don't matter who you are, what you've done, or why you're here right now. God can save anyone in this room and maybe maybe it's not for that reason why i preach tonight whatever the reason is god knows and in your heart that conviction you know what it is lord help us to realize that there is a place called hell but there is an answer and an ability to escape that is found in the precious blood of jesus christ let's pray dearly father lord i thank you for